0: Yo, what is going on, baby? Nathan Kennedy, TNMP, episode 55, psychological mistakes you may be making with investing. Hoping you guys are having a great weekend. Ask me any questions you guys have on IG as well as if you're listening on Apple Podcast. I would love if you could leave a little bit of a review there really quick guys this show is sponsored by wealth simple i am so honored to be partnering with them such a big fan of the platform and i always recommend them for new and experienced investors alike the interface and navigation are incredible they have several products but two of my favorite are wealth simple trade and wealth simple invest wealth simple trade is a commission-free platform where you can buy stocks and etfs free of charge wealth simple invest is a robo advisor where they do all the work for you and just have to put the money in so check out the show notes for links to get started with either one i highly highly recommend it also i want to give a quick shout out to grit labs grit labs is a group fitness boot camp style training in burlington ontario the energy and intensity are nothing like i've ever experienced and i love to go just because of the intensity and the loving family-like environment i really encourage you guys to check it out um, and get their one week free trial at www.gritlabs.ca or just check my show notes for the link Okay, so today what I want to chat about is investing psychology. This is one of the most interesting topics I've ever learned in my life, and when I first came across behavioral finance, I remember being blown away. So, if you want to be a little bit more aware of your biases, learn how your brain may be tricking you when you're investing, and how you can hopefully put some systems and safeguards in place to protect you from yourself, then let's just dive on into it, baby. Money, 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 money. So firstly, what I want to do is say that this is not going to be an exhaustive episode, meaning that this is likely part of a much larger uh, series with investing psychology. And I'm probably going to do some other episodes about personal finance from a psychological perspective as well, such as shopping, budgeting, etc. Again, this is super interesting and useful info that we all should be aware of. Imagine if they taught this in school, right? But before I start ranting about the school system, let's just get into it. So psychology around investing is formally known as behavioral finance. Behavioral finance, which is a subfield of behavioral economics, proposes that psychological influences and biases affect the financial behaviors of investors and financial practitioners. Now, this seems pretty straightforward as humans are emotional creatures, but this is a more recent evolution. Earlier, classical economic theory typically assumed that the average consumer is rational and makes rational decisions based on derived utility and preferences. Earlier, financial theory held that investors are quote unquote rational, which means two things. Now, guys, stay with me. It sounds like it's a little dry, but it's actually super interesting. So, first, that when an individual receives new information, they update their beliefs correctly. Second, individuals then make choices that are normatively acceptable, AKA rational. They would make the choice that a reasonable person would do to maximize their utility. Well, Sometimes that just doesn't end up happening, even for the best of us. Behavioral economics and therefore behavioral finance is a much more realistic version of that as it incorporates this critical aspect. Our psychological and emotional impulses and our overall human nature cloud our rationality in a lot of cases. Behavioral finance states that the influences and biases can be a source of explanation of all types of market anomalies and specific market anomalies in the stock market, such as severe rises and falls in stock prices. So when you see stocks shoot up and you see stocks plummet, a lot of the time there's emotional reasons behind that. So this is why the stock market in particular is absolutely impossible to get right 100 percent of the time even if you could predict the rational move for most investors which you absolutely couldn't regardless it wouldn't matter because the large majority of investors are acting with emotion rather than reason okay cool so basically there's a lot of emotion baked into the market doesn't that mean the market's inefficient well depending on who you talk to that could be debatable but i tend to think that yes in the short term the underlying fundamentals may be diluted by the emotional day-to-day fluctuations. Things like people buying Tesla because it's going up or day traders or all kinds of crazy shit going on. There's a lot of emotion and not much reason in the short term. However, in the long term, fundamentals such as growth, revenue, profitability, etc. determine how successful a company will be over time and therefore how the stock price will do over time. Hype dies down, emotions fade, and they go on to the next thing. Only the real companies will last and grow. So that's why I always say to ignore the noise because it's just that. It's just noise. Ben Graham, who is one of the greatest investing minds of all time, who mentored Warren Buffett, who is the author of The Intelligent Investor, which I highly recommend every single person listening to this podcast reads, mentions the story of Mr. Market, which perfectly summarizes what I and so many other long-term investors believe in. Graham concisely captured his liberating philosophy toward market fluctuations by using this guy named Mr. Market. Basically, he said that if you imagine you had a partner in private business called Mr. Market, he'd be like an obedient fellow and he shows up daily to tell you what he thinks, your interests in the business. Like he basically tells you what he thinks companies are worth. On most days, the price he quotes is reasonable and justified by the business's prospects, such as profitability, revenue, et cetera. However... Mr. Market suffers from a rather incurable emotional problem. You see, he's very temperamental. When Mr. Market is overcome by boundless optimism or bottomless pessimism, he will quote you at a price that, as Graham noted, seems to you pretty friggin crazy. As an intelligent investor, you should not fall under Mr. Market's influence, but rather you should learn to take advantage of him. The value of your interest in a company should be determined by the business itself, not what everybody's saying about it or thinking about it. You need to look at the hard fundamentals. The best part of your association with Mr. Market is that he does not care how many times you take advantage of him. No matter how many times you saddle him up with losses and rob him of gains, he will arrive the next day ready to do business with you again. The lesson behind Graham's Mr. Market Parable is straightforward. Every day the stock market offers investors quotes on thousands of businesses and you're free to either take that at its word or you know, buy, whatever, or you can ignore it. You, you can do whatever you want. You don't have to fall to the height. You must always remember that it's not Mr. Market's guidance you are interested, but you're rather interested in taking advantage of the market. So basically what this is saying is this guy's crazy sometimes you can't listen to him all the time and you got to look at the underlying meaning and the underlying value now a lot of this applies to single stocks investing with respect to exit strategies right getting in getting out on fundamentals but a lot of us are here to just buy and hold just hold on to it so again i'm gonna say this over and over ignore the noise ignore the noise buy and hold, stay for the long term because the hype is going to die down. And some of the best investors of all time have been screaming this from the hilltops for the longest time. So just trust that there's a lot of craziness going on. You know, your clerk might tell you about this brand new stock that he's investing in. It's, it's just, forget about all that. Buy and hold, buy and hold. So now that we know that there's a lot of emotion baked into the market, what are some individual biases that you may encounter and should be aware of? Well, let's just dive on into that next. Money, 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 money. Money. Okay, so obviously there's a ton of biases that we possess as humans with respect to how we analyze things, judge the world, etc. And I'll probably do a follow up episode like I said earlier to cover some of the ones that I don't right now. We all have strongly ingrained biases that exist deep within our psyche. While they can serve us well in our day to day lives, they can have the opposite effect with investing. Investing behavioral biases often include both cognitive and emotional biases. While cognitive biases stem from statistical information processing or memory errors, so basically like the more systematic errors in our approach, emotional biases stem from our impulse or intuition and result in us having feelings and acting on our feelings as opposed to actual facts. Here are some of the most prevalent ones with respect to investing decisions and shout out to toptel.com for the awesome information here. I'll leave a link in the article where I pulled some of this stuff um, because it was just great. I loved it. Okay, so the first is overconfidence. Uh, You know, humans tend to have a bad tendency to think we're actually better than we really are at something. This is well documented in a study where up to 80% of respondents claimed they were in the safer half of drivers. Statistically, that's literally impossible, so some of us rate ourselves much better than we actually are. Overconfident investors believe they have more control over their investments than they truly do. Since in-depth investing involves complex forecasts of futures, uh, overconfident investors may overestimate their abilities to identify successful investments. In fact, experts often overestimate their own abilities more than the average person does. In a 1998 study, affluent investors indicated that their own stock picking skills were critical to the portfolio performance, when in reality, they probably were just because of broader influences like market movements, new companies, etc. In many studies, it has actually shown that traders who trade excessively, known as active traders, actually underperform the market dramatically. In another study conducted by Professor Brad Barber and Terrence Odean, investors, utilizing traditional brokers achieved better results than online traders who traded actively and speculatively. In another study, 78,000 US household investors with accounts at the same retail brokerage house were studied. After segmenting the group into quintiles by monthly turnover rates and common stock portfolio, they found that active traders earned much lower returns than the more passive and consistent investors. They found investor overconfidence to be the number one reason why this was the case. So basically, how does this apply to us? with investing well it's really hard to be good like really really hard and unlike most things where you know i would encourage you to become an expert and work and whatever there's so much out of our control with investments right it, like there's so few people that outperform the market in the long term it's important to know your investments understand them and why you're buying them right But don't think you're the next wolf on Wall Street. Like it's just it's next to impossible. You don't need to be with index funds anymore and exchange traded funds that often crush expert mutual and hedge funds. Be humble, right? (laughs) Be an expert in something else. Invest for the long term and diversify and you're going to win. Next is self attribution bias. This is the tendency to attribute successes to your own actions and missteps or failures to external factors. Similar to the above, the remedy is to be self-aware. Understand when you invest your money into something, no matter what happens, it's on you. It's not the government's fault, it's not the company's fault, it's you. Buying index funds truly doesn't take expertise. Like. You should know what you're investing in, of course, um, but it doesn't you don't have to be an absolute expert. So don't think you cause the market to go up and down, right? Choose your investments wisely, accept whatever fate brings you, hopefully fortune, and adjust if you need to over time. My opinion, though, is to just keep buying in. Next is loss aversion. This describes why, for some individuals, the pain of losing can be up to twice as painful as the pleasure of gaining. This is basically saying that you would be more pissed about losing ten bucks than you would be about winning ten bucks, and I think we can all relate to that. Also, think about this. Okay, so I'm going to ask you guys a question, and you're going to answer it in your head. Let's say there are two scenarios. I have some money, and I want to give it to you. <laughs> and I ask you this: Would you rather take nine hundred dollars guaranteed, or take a deal that ninety percent of the time will give you a thousand dollars, and ten percent of the time? will give you absolutely nothing. Okay, so answer that and keep that in mind. Next, I want you to think about this. Would you rather have to pay $900 guaranteed or would you take the 90% chance of having to pay $1,000 and a 10% shot at paying nothing at all? Okay, so if you're like me, you probably took the $900 guaranteed in the first example and in the second example, uh, you took the 10% shot of paying nothing and this is basically the same question, but reversed. And the reason you had an inconsistent answer is because we're trying to minimize our losses, right? We're trying to, to minimize our losses as much as we can, try to seek a little bit of gain there, but that the allure of paying nothing at all, or having a 10% shot of that, is much stronger than a 10% shot that you'll get nothing in the first example, right? So it's inconsistent, it's basically the same thing, but because one seems scarier than the other, we answer inconsistently, right? Another phenomena that arises from fear of loss is the disposition effect. As a result of their fear of loss, investors often hesitate to realize their losses and hold stocks for too long, hoping for a recovery. This results in some investors selling their winners early and holding on to their losers, refusing to realize a loss. Now, again, like on this show, we preach buy and hold. Uh, so, ideally, this doesn't apply to us as we're not exiting for years, but it's critically important to keep this stuff in mind in, in business and life in general, right? Most people like cap their winners and like, okay, I'm going to cash out because you don't want to lose it. You don't want to lose it, right? But you'll hold on to your losers for way longer than you should because you don't want to quote unquote lose. It, It doesn't make sense. And it's because humans innately hate losing more than they love winning. In general, in life, you need to hold on to your winners and cut your losers in a lot of situations. And that's pretty much the takeaway here. We need to stop investing with so much stuff based on our relationship with with the stock or whatever, the move, uh, ego, like getting tied up in that, and just objectively look at its performance. Sometimes you need to cut losses and understand that you're not superman or superwoman or superperson. I can't give you a how-to with stuff like this because it's just there's too many different scenarios. There's not a one-size-fits-all answer here, but you need to understand that there's gonna be times where you gotta jump ship. And that's up to you and your judgment, but I got to keep that in mind that there's times where you just got to cut your losses and move on. Number four is familiarity bias. This is when investors tend to invest in what they know, such as domestic companies or locally owned investments. As a result, investors are not diversified across multiple sectors and types of investments that could actually reduce their risk for the better. Now I must say, of course, you should know your investments very well, right? But this is more talking about local things, the, the company you work with, right? Things that you really, really know. Invest in what you know for sure, but make sure that you diversify as well. That's such a key thing. Next, we have framing. So framing is another example of cognitive bias in which people react to a choice in different ways depending on how it's presented, You know, such as a loss or a gain, et cetera. So this is really similar to the exercise we did earlier with fear of loss, right? I presented pretty similar scenarios But we have a tendency to answer in a certain way based how I framed it. So let's do another similar exercise, right? Let's say that there's 600 people and there's a disease out there. You know, I know this is pretty real (laughs) to to say something like that right now. But, you know, let's let's, you know, 600, 600 people here. there's, There's some shit going on, right? Treatment A will save 200 lives, guaranteed. 200 lives guaranteed. Treatment B has a 33% chance of saving all 600 people and a 66% chance at saving no one, right? Which one do you choose, right? You can replay that if you wanna listen to it again, whatever. Okay, so keep that in mind, either A or B. In the next scenario, treatment A will let 400 people die, guaranteed, right? Or treatment B has a 33% chance of no one dying And a 66% chance of everyone dying. So which one are you picking? Okay, so if you're like most people, again, like myself when I first did this, uh, I picked A in the first one and B for the second. What's crazy is it's literally the same two options. Literally the exact same two options. But I use negative and positive framing to change how you looked at it. So how this plays into our investments and how we invest is that we can't be narrow-minded. We need to think big and we need to think wide, right? We need to be open-minded and critical in how we look at things. We need to share perspectives with others, share points of view, right? Look at things from all kinds of vantage points. We need to see things differently, frame things differently so we can have a more clear, bigger understanding. When you get locked up with a set point of view, you're limiting yourself to making a predictable and potentially wrong decision that you may otherwise have gotten right if you looked at it from somebody else's point of view, somebody else's shoes, whatever, right? An example of this is instead of looking at a market crash as a negative and a loss of money, which isn't true unless you sell, look at it as a sale on stocks, right? Change your perspective. Look at things in different ways. So next and again, similar to framing, is the anchoring effect. Investors tend to hold on to a belief and then apply it as a subjective reference point for making future judgments. This is the classical first offer that then people haggle based on that first initial offer. It anchors the conversation. It anchors that number that you guys are haggling over, right? It's likely to do with not wanting to miss out on a deal or sale from both sides, right? FOMO. <laughs> it's real. Fear of missing out is real. Doesn't matter if it's it's not just socially, it's just like really in anything, right? And it comes back to that fear of loss, right? People often base their decisions on the first source of information to which they are exposed, such as the initial purchase price of a stock. They basically have a tough time adjusting their views and and just sort of disregarding that initial sort of thing, right? And anchoring can apply in a multitude of situations. The awards for lawsuits are often influenced by the plaintiff's initial demand. In real estate, parties are unconsciously influenced by the arbitrary posted prices. In the context of investing, investors can anchor around something that looks like a stock's purchase price or market index levels. In fact, Round numbers, such as 5,000 points on the S&P or whatever, often attract disproportional interest. So really, the remedy here is to firstly know how you can use the anchoring effect to your advantage. And this is more for negotiations. Uh, So go check out episode 10 of the podcast where I walk through how you can negotiate like a boss, anchor, you know, sort of some tactics to use some of this psychology to your advantage. Second, don't worry about if a stock that you have went up from where you originally bought it and now it's more expensive than before. You want it to do that. That's why you bought it. Don't worry if you haven't invested yet and the prices went up and you could have gotten it cheaper. Don't worry about that. Don't focus on the anchor and don't focus on the past. Focus on the value that you're getting today and moving forward. It's all about that perspective. You need to keep again you need to think big and think wide and look at it from different angles right don't get caught in anchoring don't get anchored by what tesla was six months ago is it a good buy today what's the value about it today don't worry about what it was or what you could have made like that's just it's not practical right and that's don't anchor yourself right think about right now think about what puts you in the best position moving forward And the last bias I want to go over is recency bias. Recency bias is a cognitive bias that favors recent events over historical ones. So recency bias gives greater importance to the more recent events, such as a lawyer's closing argument, right? In investing, when investors' memory of recent events makes them biased or leads them to believe that the event is more likely to occur again, it could get you in a little bit of trouble. For example, the financial crisis of 08 in 09 led many investors to exit the stock market and not get in for years. Many had a dismal view of the markets and likely expected more economic hardship in the coming years because they got their shirts taken from them in 08, 09, right? But what actually happened is they missed out on one of the greatest bull runs in human history. So the takeaway here is to be very, 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 very mindful that the recent past is not even close to necessarily indicative of the future. Try not to let things in the market that have happened recently dictate your investing decisions. Again, zoom out, right? Think big, think wide. Okay, my friends, so that is all I have for you today. And I'm sure um that i'm gonna bring a part two three four of this stuff because i love to make this content and i really hope you enjoyed it as well before we summarize this episode again if you haven't signed up yet please 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 uh, check out my show notes check out wealth simple i always recommend it for new and experienced investors alike again the interface navigation incredible um, you know a lot of great products but two of my favorite are wealth simple trade and wealth simple invest wealth simple trade is a commission free platform where you can buy stocks and etFs free of charge wealth simple invest is a robo advisor where you just put the money in they do the work for you right check out the show notes for links of either one to get started I really recommend it okay so let's wrap up what we learned today number one we are not rational thinkers all the time right so we're emotional we're human we've got a lot of biases we've got a lot of things that influence our day-to-day decisions our decisions over the long term etc so again classical economics you know we're rational we're going to maximize our utility we're going to look at things and we're going to make the right choice right that's just not not the case there's a lot of shit that we do that just doesn't make any sense <laughs> it doesn't make any sense so being aware of that is the first step right we we need to know that um, we're subject to that people in the market are subject to that there's going to be a lot of emotional bullshit that you kind of have to work through Um, and and you need to look again zoom out you know think big and know that the emotion dies down and, and the fundamentals will carry on right number two is make mr market work for you don't get worked by him so Try not to get caught up in the hype. We're human again. We're gonna that's gonna happen time to time, but try to minimize that as much as you can and think long term. I swear to god, I've said it like probably eight times this episode, but it's the truth, right? Number three, being more aware of our biases can help us devise strategies to protect against them, right? So I talk a lot about practicality in some of my other episodes, you know, automation is a a really, really big one um, that helps us protect against our biases. If you're automatically investing every month, regardless, you're safeguarding against some of the biases of fear of loss, right? Safeguarding against some of the biases of getting caught up in the hype, getting caught up in all kinds of different stuff, right? Because it's automated. It's going in regardless whether you like it or not. It's going in, going in, going in, and that's, best strategy systematic approaches are some of the best ways that you can get around um get out of your own way right and number four fucking ninth time i'm saying this think long term think big think wide zoom out look at different perspectives look at different points of view right ask your friends ask people that um you know are investing a lot or they have expertise in that area you know ask me you know shoot me a dm you already know what it is caveat i do want to say don't get too caught up don't get analysis paralysis where you just you're, you're asking too many questions you're, you're you're questioning yourself too much to the point where you actually don't do anything right look at different points of views and then make a decision right and then just live with it that's that's the biggest thing right so that's all i have for you guys today i appreciate y'all so much i love y'all uh but for now i'm out this mother peace